Hey LifeBridge, we're back uh, for another sermon where we're talking about uh, spiritual formation. We're talking about the fully formed life. Remember, we are meeting outside for five weeks, and this is the second week of the five weeks that we will be outside. So uh, instead of filming, uh, live streaming the whole service from the park, we are just filming these videos separately and releasing them separately. So again, I'd encourage you to uh, follow along with this and what we're talking about here and to dive in to the questions and things that I posted um, in the notes below. You can see the, uh, a link to the questions where you can go through these questions and either reflect on them on your own or discuss them with those in your household if you're watching this from home. So thanks for joining us. Remember, we're going through the fully formed life. This is week two. Uh, we're talking about spiritual formation. Okay, spiritual formation, as we talked about last week, is this kind of big, lofty term. Uh, discipleship is included in here, spiritual growth, perhaps, however you tend to talk about it. It's one of those terms that's kind of tough to nail down for a lot of us, and, and rightfully so, because it's a very diverse concept. But we're defining it as simply just the process of growing in love for God and others. Okay, we've boiled it down to be super simple um, in theory, but very difficult in practice. I'm basing this off of mostly Mark 12, 28 to 31, uh, where Jesus is asked what is the most important commandment. And in verse 29, Jesus says, uh, the most important is, and then he quotes the Shema from Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we we're going to go through this step by step. And last week we just looked at love and how love of God and love of neighbor is the heart of spiritual formation. So we want to view our lives, we want to view our homes, our churches, our workplaces, all of it as schools of love where we can learn how to grow in love. And that changes the dynamic, that changes the whole perspective, I think, that we have of our home our church, and our workplace, uh, and even our personal internal life where we commune with God and we do our disciplines and we pray and we, we read scripture, it's all so that we can grow in love and learn how to love God more and learn how to love one another better. So we talked about love last week. This week we're talking about the heart. So the first thing that Jesus mentions or that the book of Deuteronomy mentions is that we should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Okay. The heart is, is kind, of a, it's kind of another tricky uh, metaphor for us to nail down. Because yeah, in our culture, we tend to speak of the heart as like the seat of the emotions, I would say, or the affections, or the seat of moral character. Or in some instances, we'll talk about the heart as like the center. Well, we'll say it's the, the heart of the issue, right? That's the center of the issue. That's what's driving it. Or we talk about our heart as just where our emotions come from, where our feelings come from. Uh, like his heart hurts, right? <laughs> he's, he's feeling pain or sorrow. Uh, uh, and so the heart in our culture is slightly different than how the Hebrew culture viewed the heart. Okay, And this is where it gets tricky. When we read the Old Testament, we have to understand that they're writing from a completely different culture. Last week we said we've all been formed. We're all being formed by our culture is one of those things that does. So when we read the Old Testament, when we read Deuteronomy, when we read the New Testament, any book from a different culture, we have to understand how they're thinking of it and their concept of it. 
the heart in Hebrew culture. I'll, this week in the devotional, I'll link you to a Bible Project video that goes through this in much more detail. But they would describe it as the center or source of the whole inner life. Okay, So for, for the Hebrews, it was thinking was included in your heart. It was feeling. It was volition. Uh, affections are centered here too. It's like everything from your whole inner life. Especially, it is the source of love, which is how it's used here. And the heart is vitally important, obviously. If we're talking about it as like the, the, the source or the center of our whole inner life, it's obviously super important for our life with God and our life with others. And so we must love God with all of our inner life, is what Deuteronomy is saying and what Jesus is saying here. Dallas Willard, he says, of the importance of the heart, he says, we live from our heart. Our life and how we find the world now and in the future is almost totally a simple result of what we have become in the depths of our being, in our spirit, will, or heart. From there, we see our world and interpret reality. From there, we make our choices, break forth into action, try to change the world. We live from our depths, most of which we do not understand. So what is in your heart, Willard goes on, matters more than anything else for who we become and what becomes of us. Think about that for a second. What is in our heart matters more than anything else for who we become and what becomes of us. So if we want to become the type of person that Christ wants us to be, it is our heart that truly matters. One of the quotes that I write down that I have in my weekly agenda just to remind me of all of this is another Dallas Willard quote where he says, uh, it's not what you do that matters, it's who you become. And that will take you, that will endure into eternity. So it's who we are becoming. That's what matters most. And honestly, that's what dictates what we do, is who we are becoming in our inner life with God. In Luke 6, Jesus teaches on this. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasures of his own heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So here Jesus is kind of answering the question of why do we do the things that we do? Fruit, in this context, is our behavior, our actions, the things that we say, the things that we do with our time, with our money, all of it. Uh, how we live our life, the actions of our life. And the roots here are our heart, our inner life. And what he's saying is why we do the things that we do? No, it's, it's not external forces that have been forcing us to do the things that we do. No, we say what we say and we do what we do out of who we are internally, in our internal life. And this is kind of a scary thought, right? <laughs> because it's like two children fighting. Like my kids, they fight all the time, right? When, when two kids are fighting, they'll always kind of point to the external force that forced them to do what they're doing. So they'll always say things like, well, he started it. You know, he, he called me a loser, so of course I had to slug him. Those are how we often respond to just in more mature ways and more subtle ways, I guess. But 
We say things like, or we do things like, uh, oh, here's an example. So perhaps you didn't just lose your temper because you're tired and you're overworked. Again, the external force is overworked. So you had too much to do. And so that forced you to then behave in a certain way. Uh, no, maybe, maybe it's because you're prideful and, and you thought that you were owed something like rest that you weren't. And then when you didn't get it, you responded with anger. Perhaps you didn't say that super hurtful thing to your spouse. We'll say things like, uh, I said that hurtful thing to my spouse because they hurt me first. In that sense, maybe it's not just that they had hurt you first. Perhaps it's because you haven't forgiven them truly from your heart. And you're still nursing a grudge against them. And so it shows up in anger and saying hurtful things to harm them. Perhaps, perhaps you didn't make those inappropriate comments or look at that inappropriate image uh, just because it surprised you and it popped up, right? Uh, maybe it's because you have just lust in your heart. Perhaps you're not addicted, addicted to that substance solely because of your genetic makeup. Now, I understand that genetics and all that stuff does affect who we are, but perhaps it's because you desire something more than God. What Jesus is forcing us to reckon with is the conclusion that uh, there is something terribly broken within our heart. With our innermost self, something is broken, something is seriously flawed. And what we love to do is point to external factors that have forced us to behave in the ways that we have. But Jesus teaching here that a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. What he's saying is, no, it's, it's who you are internally that comes out in your actions and your behaviors. He gets at this in Matthew 23 when he says to clean the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean as well. So if you're finding yourself constantly pointing to external factors for why you're behaving the way that you are, I would argue that you have completely missed the message of Jesus. You've completely missed the message of the gospel. The message that we are internally flawed and in need of correction and a savior. And that's what spiritual formation is all about. It's about heart change. It's about changing who we are. Because as Paul Tripp says, lasting change always comes by way of the heart. That we must change our heart. So spiritual formation then is learning to love God with more and more of our heart. Because Tripp says elsewhere that whatever rules our hearts will exercise inescapable influence over our lives and our behavior. So God must rule our heart. But God doesn't always rule our heart, and we know that. Jeremiah 17.9, Jeremiah the prophet notices that, that there is something just totally flawed with the human heart. He says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And part of the deception, deceitfulness of the heart is, as Jeremiah, as Jeremiah notices here, is our inclination to blame our behavior on other things instead of our own flawed heart. 
Then Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, he recognizes this as well, but he also recognizes that the solution isn't in just our ability to transform our own heart. He says, uh, he prophesies of God saying, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jeremiah, he notices this as well. God says through him, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. David, in Psalm 51, in his prayer of repentance, recognizes this too. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In the New Testament, this is what the Apostle Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Remember, the heart refers to our whole internal life. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what the prophets, David, Jesus, Paul, all the apostles realized is that you need God to create in you a new heart. And that's what spiritual formation is all about. It's about God, through the work of the Holy Spirit in you, transforming your heart more into the image of Christ. And when we do that, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work and to form us and to transform our heart, it's not just about behavior modification. It becomes an entire internal life change that then produces fruit in our character, in our behavior, and our actions. Henry Nouwen says it like this. He says, Spiritual formation requires taking an inward journey to the heart. Although this journey takes place in community and leads to service, the first task is to look within, reflect on our daily life, and seek God and God's activity right there. And then he goes on and later says, As soon as we feel at home in our own house, that's in our own body, we understand who we are and that our heart is flawed and, and in need of saving. That is, we discover the dark corners as well as the light spots, the closed doors as well as the drafty rooms. Our confusion will evaporate, our anxiety will diminish, and we will become capable of creative work and a spiritually informed life. What he's getting at is when we examine our heart, when we seek God to transform our heart and to give us a new heart, we confront why we make the decisions that we do. That it's not just external factors affecting us, that maybe it's because of our heart. We ask why we got so angry and lost our temper. We explore what it is that we're really, truly afraid of. We explore what we're worried about. We explore why we said what we did. We explore what motivates our addictions. We explore why we're still struggling with that sin and what we're really, truly pursuing other than God. And we also explore what's really, truly causing us joy and is our joy placed properly in God. 